This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So wait, what really happened to John Marino early this season when he was struggling? Was it a lack of confidence? Well, I asked him, and you'll really appreciate the answer. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way every Monday through Friday, really early in the morning. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates. Penguins beat the Islanders again. One final time, at least in the regular season, by a 2-1 to one count. Casey DeSmith coming on in relief of Tristan Jari, who left after the first period with what Mike Sullivan described for us as an upper body injury, one that seemed to confuse him. Usually the coach doesn't elaborate on these things in any form. He just He'll just say it's an upper body injury and... I'll get back to you as soon as we have more information. He's being evaluated, some something like that. He didn't say that this time. He said, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Uh, our medical people apparently felt it was significant enough to keep him out. Now, Casey DeSmith earlier said, I don't think it's too serious. So in case you didn't stay up all that late last night, that's the latest on, on Jari. It, it doesn't sound like any big thing. But your hockey team wins the game anyway and goes 6 and 2 against the Eastern Conference finalist from 2020. With, you know, all these players missing and now the goaltender missing. As if it's nothing. And how does that happen? Well, yeah, they they do clamp down somewhat. I, I don't think they're all that effective at clamping down, to be honest with you, but they make a greater attempt at that, and, and it does pay off. As DeSmith noted himself after the game, our team's a lot better and a lot more comfortable with the lead now than we were earlier in the season, and it's a valid point. But what really happens here? is that players who weren't getting an opportunity for whatever reason or weren't performing all that well now are put into more elevated roles. And when that happens, that individual is either going to shrink from that challenge or they're going to rise up to it. And before I get to... Marino's night and our telling little exchange after the game, I'll swing all the way back to Pierre-Olivier Joseph. 
not only did POJ get called up, but he got called up and was basically made the team's number one defenseman. Do you remember this? I mean, it seems like forever ago since he hasn't been around, but it still applies. There's that sense that you have in a team sport that my team is counting on me. My teammates are looking at me expecting something. As opposed to the the killing time stuff, the passenger stuff that I talk about a lot, the Mark Jankowski stuff, although he did have a decent game last night. Credit where due. When you put guys into position where they, they maybe feel like they're needed even more than they're wanted, that's, that, that's a different realm. And that's how you see Jared McCann popping another nice goal last night. Uh, that's eight for him now, despite his usual bad luck with injuries. Anthony Angelo right in front. Another goal. Only his second, but he hasn't been around that long. And if you get a big dude like that who can skate to sneak in even a handful of goals, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. These guys, they might or might not be playing if everyone was healthy, uh, or they might or might not be in the roles that they're in, I should say, as it applies to McCann, but they're making the most of it. Marino is in a little bit of a different class, and and I mean that in the positive sense. We can get fooled sometimes by a rookie season in any sport. We can get thrown and think, you know, wow, they're just going to be the greatest because you think that they're just going to keep ascending and ascending and ascending, and that's just never a career path, a life path. There's always going to be bumps. There's always going to be a part, uh, a portion of your life where something's dragging you down or you're dragging yourself down. I don't know what it was with Marino. Here's what I do know. Last season, the 2019-20 season, as a rookie, he was as close to a perfect defensive rookie as I've ever covered. And I covered Brooks Orpik's first year in which I thought he was just outstanding with the Penguins because he stayed at home, but he also skated the puck up. He hit people. He was a presence. I thought Marino's rookie year was better because I saw him do more different things than what Brooks could do. I thought his composure was through the roof. Nothing seemed to floor him. There was never, as much as he'd have fun, he's not a boring guy, there was never that, gosh, wow, oh, look at me, I'm in the NHL. and uh, There was none of that with him. I was never more convinced of a rookie defenseman being more capable of having exceptional success in the NHL in Pittsburgh than with Marino last year. And then, you know, you saw it. He struggled early on. Some of that wasn't his fault. He got moved around. He uh, was playing on the wrong side because that's how much the coaches thought of his ability, that even if they put him on on the left side, he's still going to be great. Why? Because he's infallible. 
and he was stuck with some partners that might not have been uh, the best fit for him. And then his partner, his regular partner from last season, Marcus Pedersen, started to have some of his own hiccups, and he had a little bit of a, a tougher time last night after having a mostly good stretch of late, meaning Pedersen. But something's happened along the way, I'd say over the past month or so, where you don't notice Marino as much. And that's a good start for a defenseman. Stay quiet back there. Think like Cody Cece. Stay quiet back there. Make all the plays you're supposed to make. Reform your foundation. And then, and then, start doing the stuff that he did last night. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. If you haven't cut your cable cord yet, and you're still paying over 200 bucks a month for that, consider that Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month. You watch all the same channels, you get a free DVR, and you don't have any installation to deal with either. It's a web-based thing. Fubo TV is how you should be watching TV in 2021. And now they've got AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh on top of that. Fubo TV is also offering to our listeners of this podcast a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. No contracts, cancel any time. One more time, FuboTV.com slash DK for the free trial and 15% off your first month. So the Islanders are this passive neutral zone team, as everyone knows. That's the Barry Trot system. He teaches you to play defense, and he tells you that being passive is good and, and everything else. And when you have success with it, you buy into it. And the Islanders, these Islanders, have had some success with it. Marino had no use for this. Marino took the puck basically from the, oh, let's say 90% of the, the rink point and just went virtually coast to coast to set up Anthony Angelo's goal. It was one of those, um, I'm not comparing him to these guys, but just for those of you who go way back, a, a Paul Coffey-type play where you skate pretty much the distance, but you don't really have any intention of going to the net. You're trying to swing around the net and then feed the puck back to somebody who's in front. That's what Marino did. He got it out there to Angelo. Angelo pokes it home, one nothing Pittsburgh. Later in the same period, Marino sees an opportunity. He looked like he might cut inside, and then he stayed outside. The Islanders had a bad line change, and Marino had a chance to hit McCann on a pass right heading toward the net, almost alone, in stride, and to give him a chance, meaning McCann, uh, to, to go in there on Semyon Varlamov, look the net over, and maybe make a move. He decided not to do that. He decided instead to take the puck even further down the right boards. And there's McCann going down the slot. 
screaming. And in a building with only 2,800 people in it, you can hear everything. And he's yelling out, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm actually doing a pretty good imitation of him. And that's when Marino decides he's going to make the pass that he wants. A saucer, a beauty, right onto McCann's blade, but timed for the redirect. In other words, he didn't even give McCann a chance to collect it, uh, to mess around with it, to have it poked away from him. By the way, Matt Barzal was the Islander who was chasing McCann, so that couldn't have been ruled out. Beautiful play. Beautiful play. Two uh, pristine primary assists for any NHL defenseman. And that's that's great. That looked like a player to me who has his confidence back. And so, when the game ended, here's what I asked Marino. John, watching you rush up the ice like that uh, for, for both of those goals, it looks like you've got a whole lot of confidence back or I don't want to speak for you here. I mean, did you lose confidence at any point? Did you get it back? What, what happened here? Uh, just kind of the situation of the game, um, both situations, you know, they were on a line change and, you know, um, if you have the open ice, obviously you're going to take it, but, uh, you know, just kind of how the game went and um, how those plays happened. Didn't hear anything in there about his confidence. Did you never addressed it? Never address it. Now, being fair here, maybe he got so into the play-by-play that he either uh, unwittingly tuned that out or forgot that I'd asked that part of the question, but it didn't come up, and that's unusual. He's a really, really smart kid. I think he just had no interest in revisiting how he would have felt two months ago or, uh, or, or whatever that was, and that's fine. That's great, but that's also very telling uh, to me uh, that that tells me he's he's so in right now that he has no interest in stepping out even for a minute or two that happens a lot when you're talking to goalies goalies really hate when you refer to something that they did slump wise in the past or uh, because to them that's just gone. That never happened. They are just focused straight ahead. Maybe that was a little bit of that from Marino. And you know what? Good for him. Good for them. Good for them. What a fun hockey story this is becoming. When we come back, just one question. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Time for just one question. That's brought to you on this program always by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. If you haven't given 
yet to the food bank. Please do so. Pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell all of that out is where to go. The site couldn't be smoother and easier. They make the process seamless. They also explain to you on there how $1 is all it takes for them to produce and deliver five meals. $1 equals five meals. Do the math and be generous. Today's question comes from Mike Doyle, who asks, DK, when fully healthy, and then he puts in parentheses, of course, who knows when that is going to happen. (laughs) It's a good time to bring that up, right? The Penguins only hole is its center. Do you think that Freddie Goodrow or Sam Lafferty are good enough, or do the Penguins need to bring in someone with a better pedigree for a playoff run? My initial reflex to your question is that Sam Lafferty's not going to be playing center in the National Hockey League. I mean, he can do it if you're down to absolutely nobody, but he's not going to be one of the people that's in contention. Goodrow has shown himself to be a center, and he's played well, and he played well again last night. When you're talking about the composition of the third and fourth line, to me the dialogue always has to start with who's really the third line and who's really the fourth line when everyone's healthy. I'd like to see Bluger, Tanev, and Aston Reese be your fourth line, and from there you put together a, a scoring type of group. But I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing how that comes together without all kinds of drastic stuff, and there's been no indication whatsoever from Ron Hextall or Brian Burke or anyone associated with the Penguins that they're looking at something like that. If anything, having these guys come along now, uh, the Goodrows and the Zahornas and everything else, undoubtedly moves them more in the direction of, you know what, we just might have all the answers right here. We don't really want to do anything that risks any part of our future. But, but, if everyone is healthy, taking your question literally, and you have to decide whether or not Jared McCann or Jason Zucker is going to be the guy playing with Malkin, who are you putting there? Right, right. I heard you. It's McCann. And not just because you saw him score last night. He's been scoring a bunch. He's done some really good things. Zucker has in the past as well. He looked decent in his return last night. I thought I thought he was a little nervous at times. But he, he made plays. Should have had a goal. Easy goal. But the decision that you make there leaves one of those two moving down. And where do they go? Do you put a McCann on a fourth line? Do you put a Zucker on a fourth line? Or do you try to actually create a third line so that you have some HBK-type balance? You're not going to recreate that, but you can at least have the, the theory in your head that if you have, let's say, Zucker, Goudreau, and Evan Rodriguez, and right off the bat, you're going, oh, no, you got to get Anthony Angelo, you got to get Anthony Angelo. That's fine. Different opponents will require different types of players, And these decisions most often will be using penalty killing as a tiebreaker anyway, and that's where Evan Rodriguez would have an advantage as well as being able to win draws. So, you know, go along with me here. Now, in that case, you're going to clearly call that a fourth line. But if you did make a trade, 
and you brought someone in who was an upgrade on Goodrow. Uh, if you brought in someone who was an upgrade on Evan Rodriguez, I, I'd be looking more at center. And when you hear Hextall and Burke, both of whom have been interviewed by DK Pittsburgh Sports in the past week, both of whom have stated outright that they'd like to see this group become a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical, yeah, that's where you're probably headed. You're probably headed towards some big-ish type third-line center. And then maybe Angelo sticks, and then maybe Zucker's over there. And that's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. If if I if I sound like I'm kind of meandering through the answer here, there's a reason for it. This isn't like when was Broussard? That was three years ago. Derek Broussard, something like that. When it felt like there was just one piece missing. And if all you did was hit a home run with that one piece, it would make all the difference. Now, I had no idea Broussard would bomb the way he did here. None. But in the moment, that felt so right, like such a W for Jim Rutherford. There's not a scenario like that here. There's not one position that you isolate on and say, man, we've really got to take care of that or else. So I, I think this is more a matter of incremental improvement. And that fits with the spirit of the question that you asked. You say it's a hole at center. Maybe it's a hole. But you say also, quoting you, do the Pens need to bring in someone with a better pedigree for a playoff run. And that's a different criteria. I think they do. The answer to your question, from me anyway, is that I think that they do. I, I think that they have these five left-handed defensemen. They can move one of them, like a Pedersen, move the cap room, get somebody back who's who's more in tune with what you're looking for here out of this third line. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks for that. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll do another one of these daily shots of penguins tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.